life of your dreams takes an I fucking got it attitude with a side of bold leaps of faith mixed in. And I'm here to show you how to get there. Welcome to the Show the Fuck Up podcast, where you learn how to show up, step into your power, and become the highest version of yourself so you can live the life of your dreams today. I'm your host, Christina Knapp, CEO of Elixir Media Co., seven-figure marketing coach and master at living with ease. I help women entrepreneurs have fun and create ease while growing their business strategically online. So the question is, are you ready to show up? In this episode, we're talking all about retreats. I've not only attended them, I have hosted business restoration retreats all around the world in Morocco, Mexico, and even Portugal for women who want to experience culture, restoration, transformations, sisterhood, breakthroughs, and growing in their business on a whole new level of depth. It's all of the work we do with audacious women in a totally immersive experience. And today we are with Amber, who is a retreat queen. We'll be talking about everything from what it takes to host, promote, sell, and the unexpected dark side of retreats as well. Currently, we're at the beginning of 2024. I think women in business are looking at this year and they're going, I'm ready to do something a little different. So many people are going through what I'm calling this rebirth of their businesses. Before we start diving into retreats and how you could really show the fuck up, Amber, please tell the world a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the retreats that you run. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you and all of your listeners today. My name is Amber Hagberg, and I call myself the Costa Rican Jungle Mama because I've been living here for almost eight and a half years. I have goosebumps now as I share this. That's how I got into leading retreats. I One day was, I'm going to sell everything I own, move to Costa Rica and lead retreats. For me, retreats are a sacred space. And so what does it mean to curate a container that is the catalyst for a completely different life on the other side. I'm almost to my 365 days of reels. Thank you, Christina, for your efforts. I just have to celebrate. I just had my first ever viral reel. I was on a catamaran and I made like 100 new sales from this one reel. And I'm just like, okay. Oh my gosh, this is such a full circle moment for me because Amber, you and I know each other from a mastermind that we were both in and watching you find your truly aligned purpose has been a beautiful fucking journey and so fucking needed. Diving straight into this, if someone was coming to you and they say, I want to start doing retreats, but I'm not even sure how to get started, what kind of guidance would you give them? The first thing is deciding that you're going to be a retreat leader. That has to be an inner decision and a desire because retreats aren't easy to host. Choosing the spot is the first hurdle aside from imposter syndrome. It is challenging to figure out where are you going to host a retreat and how are you going to make money doing it? One of my mentors is like, Leading retreats and selling out retreats is the hardest thing to sell because you're selling them on taking time off and then they have to invest in the experience and that's a growth edge. Yeah, my whole life I've been traveling internationally, so it it makes sense. I'm very comfortable there. Profit-wise, it makes more sense to me to have it out of country just because then you have more flexibility. One, of course, where you're going to what the cost of living is in the country that you're in. And then three, whether you're doing it at a retreat center or whether you are kind of, how should I say this, DIYing it, right? Finding your cooks, finding your chefs, finding your transports, finding all of those things. 
Yeah, 1000%. And a lot of times it's challenging to find a retreat center in the United States that's profitable. My clients struggle to be like, well, where's the margin? It's easy for you in Costa Rica. And, and that's true. But I think the fear of going abroad for people that aren't like you and I internationally sounds scary. I have a client that sold out a week retreat because it was local. So I think it also depends on who's your audience. That's going to guide where you choose the location. One thing I would really invite everyone to do is if it's not aligning with your utmost desires and your highest vision for your retreats, let's take a look at that. If you have a warm list of people who you know who would, that's what's really, really worked with selling out our retreats is those DM conversations. Yeah, it's like retreats are about depth of a relationship. So if you're going to sell out retreats is having those private conversations of sacred invitations to the person that you think would be a good fit, but also following up with anyone that has reached out speaking interest on this retreat or any retreat they've ever talked about in the past. Having that personal invite is like 98% of the time how you're going to sell out your retreat. Ah, uh, gold. That was just fucking gold. I love it. Okay. So let's say we've booked it. How can we really show the fuck up with promoting and selling the retreats? I like to think about what your dream soulmate client or retreater, what's going to get them to move. People want value, not necessarily money off. They want more. They want to feel like, wow, I'm getting this, this, and this. So I think about it like offer stacking. Having a monthly marketing plan where each month you're just playing with a different incentive. Hey, if you sign up and pay in full for the retreat, you get access to this program I'm launching that no one knows about yet. And that for me usually gets my most signups, but it can also be like a strategy session or it can be a guided meditation or a recording, a clip. So I use incentives to get people to move. And then I look back at the past retreat, the evidence of what works, what incentives really got my audience to move quicker. You're on their vision board. They're going to come to your retreat one day. How can you make that one day today by the messaging that you're using and the value that they're giving when they sign up now? Oh, that's so juicy. I love that. I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> Let's take a little promo second. My next retreat is in May. It's in South Africa in Cape Town. And I'm so excited. I chose this place because I literally sat on the southernmost tip of the continent and had the most godly experience, really. And I remember literally crying from the beauty of it. And I felt this call of like, everyone needs to experience this level of, it almost felt like origin. I felt that years ago. And so I'm so excited to be bringing women to this very sacred spot to be like connecting back with nature and at the same time creating higher visions for ourselves and for their companies. So I get this question all of the time. In your expert opinion, how long of a time frame do you think that is the most optimal to be selling and promoting a retreat before it actually goes down? Mm, good question. And this is such a controversial conversation because it depends on your audience. I typically like if we're going to zoom out and put everybody into a box, I always say like six months is a really good time frame. It's the same thing in online business, right? People jump in the beginning and then there's a lull and then there's a peak and then there's a lull again. And how do you get those last minute people in? And so six months is a really good number knowing that like you're building brand awareness and recognition around your retreats. And what I like to do is get three people to sign up before you put down a deposit. 
That's my little hack because then you're not putting money out of your pocket that energetically makes you feel like I need a retreater right now. Get the retreater, then put the deposit down because once you get one person, you get the momentum and then you know it's happening. I announce my retreats at the beginning of the year and you're going to get conversations started. You're going to get people clicking on the link in your email that you can personally follow up with. You're going to get people in your DMs that you can personally follow up with. And then you're going to create a list of dream soulmate retreaters that you can send out special invitations to. Uh, there was so much goodness in there. I do the same six months. And I find that same flow to the conversation starting in the beginning. And I love that you mentioned that hack. That is something that I did, especially in the beginning. I like to be totally transparent about numbers. The first ever retreat that I did, I broke even. I will say my intention was to break even. (laughs) It was my first retreat. I did it in Tulum in Mexico. I had like five, six incredible women who were previous clients, right? They had experienced some type of in-person magic with me, whether it was like a VIP day or something like that. So like, I'll call it now a trust ball because I really didn't tell them anything. I was like, oh, it's going to be in Tulum. You're going to be taken care of. Meet me there. And that was all the fucking information they get. And now I look back at it and I'm like, y'all fucking nuts. You know, I love that you trust me so much. And it was really beautiful. I learned so much from it. I always recommend this to my clients too. sell it first. That way, worst comes to worst. You don't have anyone sign up. You just move the date back. It does not create unnecessary pressure to sell. And I think when we're in a place of freedom and we have a positive pressure on ourselves versus a negative, we magnetize more. Okay, I know we're wrapping up time and I just really, really like have been dying to ask you these two questions. Number one, like I always like to talk about the shadow side of things because I mean, we know how social media is. It's a highlight reel. And and often podcasts can be the same way. And often when, when I think people share about businesses, or their own business, we only talk about success. I like to talk about the shadow side because it's something that I think we all go through and keeping quiet about it really doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve ourselves. It doesn't serve our communities. So I want to talk about the hard parts of hosting a retreat. This last retreat I was at actually my worst ever fucking nightmare came true. And I'm so glad it did. And I was really proud of the way I handled it. It was, I don't know, maybe day three or day four. And I had the most incredible group of women. One thing that I really, really love is the women that we attract. They're always fucking badass. They're always hilarious. They're always so like real, real. 50% of the women, this was like their third retreat of the year. We had already been to Morocco, to Mexico City. Now we're in Europe. And the other half are completely new people who have never fucking bought from me before. They just felt really called, which is really fucking cool. It's like day three, we're eating dinner. We have a private chef. He's literally like laying our food in front of us. I'm on like a 10 out of 10 high. We did higher vision planning, meditations. I rented a yacht to go on the river. Beautiful. And then... I hear from like the corner of the table, one of the retreat attendees saying some negative things about me to the other women and and saying, and I quote, fuck the coaching. They are here to participate in other things. Oh my God, I, I, I broke into pieces. Being a participant of other retreats, you know that there's so many sisterhood wounds that are activated and healed. I excused myself and I went upstairs and I just bawled and I was so angry and I'm thinking, you know, why would this person 
doesn't come on my retreat if they don't like the coaching. And then I'm going back to when I'm 13 and people are talking shit about me in middle school. And that was just like in this little trauma tornado. At the same time, there was this calmness once everything had settled. Literally, my worst fear came true and I'm okay. And within 24 hours of that exact moment, I'm standing in this room with these same women and I'm crying for the gratitude of bringing these women together and having such a transformative experience with them. It was just like such a full circle moment for me. And I actually ended up sharing it with them the last day. We're talking about our highs and our lows from the trip. And I and I was very open about it. I, of course, didn't use any names when I said I overheard this conversation. It absolutely broke me. And I know that some of you guys are thinking of holding a retreat. And I just want you to know, like, you will be okay if this happens to you. You know, and here's how I'm choosing to to move through this. And I use it as another coaching opportunity. Now, the, the beautiful thing is that fear is no longer there, right? I, I can lead any retreat. If someone talks shit, they talk shit. I know how to handle it. I know what to do. It's, you know, we turn it into our superpowers. So is there something that you weren't aware of that you were secretly fearful of that came into fruition at one of your retreats? Mm, I'm just holding you in that journey. I mean, to know how much love and heart and attention that you put into curating these experiences to hear that. Oh, it makes me tear up just thinking to know what that's like. As someone that um, has hosted so many retreats, I hosted a retreat in December of 2021 and I was six months pregnant. And there were shit talkers um, behind my back. I slowly started to hear about it when one of the women came into my room and was like, hey, I just want to let you know so-and-so is starting something and I feel really bad because it's affecting other people's experiences. So being six months pregnant, I would go to bed early, fall asleep and then my chef, the space holder for me was like, hey, Amber, I don't know if you know this is what's happening. And she was judging my yoga class, which is so wild because she had been on my retreat before. This is her second time. But what she was doing was giving out her email so people would go on her retreats. So she was sabotaging my retreats because she was just comparing it to her retreats. So at every conversation where people were having breakthroughs and experiencing things, she was talking bad about her experience during my workshops, during my yoga classes. So I had a, a coaching call with our mentor that we both share. And I was like, what do I do? I'm six months pregnant. I'm so emotional. Her invitation was like, this is a leadership moment. And so I held a workshop around gossiping and sisterhood and what happens when we stoke a fire and what happens when we're a part of that fire. And after that session, two of the women came up and said, hey, I'd like to personally apologize. I've been a part of this fire that's starting. I never never said anything to this client. I just spoke to the collective and the sisterhood wound. And what I did for myself after that, and like, I want to be so intentional with the women that I call in, because sometimes I think we can get away from our dream client. And also, I'll be okay if someone does come to start fires, because it didn't have anything to do with me. I know, you know, this clients that you work with, their clients come and work with you. But it's not because you're tearing them down. And that's the old sisterhood wound. I run because you fall. No, we both rise together. It was just this moment of like, wow, I am a leader. I can't do this. And I was six months effing pregnant. Like who does that to a pregnant mama? <laughs> oh, I just, I felt it so deeply, you know, like it's, uh, 
I'm just going to say this. We make shit look easy. Just saying. Just because we make it look easy doesn't mean that it is. Mm -hmm. To be able to hold space for this many women as they're going through breakthroughs and transformations and they're tired and they're hangry and at my retreats sometimes they're high to be able to hold that space for them it's not an easy feat my last question to you is how can you show up for yourself during this retreat? I have little rituals that I do. I always make sure I bring someone on my team that you can call them concierge for the retreat. It's their main point of contact. That's the person they're texting so that I can really keep my energy sacred and keep it whole and full for the coaching sessions that I do. Do you have anything like that? Having alone downtime in a private space for you to go is so important. Whether it's the best retreat you've ever led or the most challenging retreat you ever led, just practice to not take other people's energy with me. What is mine not to give out to others, but also not to allow others to give to you? Because consciously setting that barrier in prayer to not take on other people's energy, but then to have clearing. So I use Palo Santo, I use Sage. I love taking baths, but if there isn't a bath, I'm always in prayer journaling, really contemplating how I want to feel and what's my intention. And I always move my body, like whether I go for a hike on my own to just process whether I do yoga, how can I get so full inside of myself to overflow and also to have that energetic barrier to not like take in what other people are purging out. I love those. I love those. And where can people find you, Amber? Where can they learn about your new baby and your next retreat coming up in Italy? Yeah, I am at Amber Hagberg on Instagram. Be sure to come say hi. Screenshot this episode, tag me and Christina and say your biggest takeaway. Because for me, I actually want to get to know who's listening. We can build a relationship that is a two-way street. Ah, I love it. I love you so much. And thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to go follow Amber on Instagram. Watch her live her beautiful fucking jungle life in Costa Rica that one day, one day I won't make it there again. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Love you.